This is the Get Out of Here Baldy Podcast, episode 49, July 12th, 2023. This week's episode, the Baldies have a chance to sit down with a very special guest, Pastor Scott Kilgore. Pastor Scott was the senior pastor at Wyatt Park Christian Church, where the Baldies currently serve, for just shy of 25 years. And even though he sat down with the Baldies, uh, he is no Baldy. In fact, he has a great set of hair on top of his head. This week's Baldy of the Week is none other than yours truly. Well, it's me. It's it's Ben Hitzfeld. Pastor Scott talks a little bit about uh, our relationship since I came to Wyatt Park and uh, the time we've spent together eating uh, tenderloin sandwiches and getting to know each other. Uh, this week's national celebration on July 12th is Night of Nights. This day commemorates when the last commercial Morse code transmission in the U.S. was sent. We talk about how communication technology has changed over our lifetimes and how it has affected pastoral ministry for the better or for the worse. This day in history, July 12, 1976, the first Family Feud game show debuts on ABC. We talk to Pastor Scott about his time in ministry as he continues to serve in ministry as an interim pastor in Plattsburgh, Missouri. We glean some wisdom from him over his years in ministry and have him share some, some tips of wisdom for all of us, whether pastor or layperson, just anyone who wants to follow Christ faithfully, Pastor Scott has some good words to share. So friends, uh, thanks for joining us again, and now, let's go get this bread. They're Ben and Aaron, and they love sharing about their love for Jesus and food covered in cheeses. Weird news, history, sports regaled from a generation raised playing Oregon Trail. National celebrations almost every day. There's only one thing I have to say. Don't you point or stare at their lack of hair. Yes, they're follically challenged. So sing along with the biblical Baldy Ballad. Get out of here, Baldy. Get out of here, Baldy. If you don't know what I mean, read 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 23. Get out of here, Baldy. Get out of here, Baldy. If you don't know what I mean, if you don't know what I mean, come and take a listen to your two bald kings. What's up, Baldy Buddies, and welcome to another episode of the Get Out of Here Baldy Podcast. This is episode 49, Ooh. and this is a special episode because we are on site at the farm. Is that what we call it out here? You can call it whatever you want, All right. but it is a farm, so that would work. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> seeing some soybeans out there. There's soybeans, there's corn, there's dirt. Yeah, it's, it's a farm. <laughs> All right. I'm your host, Aaron Michaud. I'm joined by, as always, Pastor Ben Hitzfield, but we also have a special guest, Pastor Scott Kilgore, uh, with us today. And so, how are you doing, gentlemen? Good. Yeah. No, this, this is great. Um, so, we've been wanting to do this this for a while, and uh, with, with Aaron leaving, we thought, well, if we're going to do this, at least with us together in, in person, uh, it had to happen pretty soon. So, uh, thanks for the invitation to come out to the farm. Anytime. And, uh, yeah. And as, as you said, this is your... Um, your, your space. Your, it's my beach. Your yeah. beach. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. It's, I could I could hardly think of a better place to sit and do a podcast or to do a, a video. So if, if you haven't, uh, I think most of our audience will know that you have a thing on Facebook, uh, Faith from Faith, the, Faith Faith from from the, the farm. farm. So yep. look that up on Facebook if you're not uh, familiar with that. And uh, Scott puts out weekly messages and just encouragement from the Word of God. So, yep. um, so it's a great... Coming up on do. the third anniversary of that. Started it three awesome. years ago in August. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. So yeah. during during uh, COVID, then, right? I mean, is that? Uh, was well, that yeah, COVID? it was August of 2020. So yes, it was during COVID, and we were back worshiping at that point, but not back to normal by any means. Sure. Mm. And uh, but I also knew retirement was coming, and that was something I had thought about that I might do in retirement, among other things, is those devotional videos. And yeah. it's taken off. It's got a nice following. And so, yeah, every week put a new video up and some short devotional posts yeah. also sure. in addition to that. So He's got a voice awesome. for it. 
I'm go. jealous yeah. <laughs> today. Uh, well, we always do a Baldy of the Week, and I thought uh, this week we'd have some fun, and our Baldy of the Week is actually Pastor Ben Hitsfield. <laughs> Oh, and by the uh, way, Scott is not bald. Most of you Scott know is not bald. But that's okay. Uh, Proverbs sixteen thirty one. That's my favorite verse. <laughs> Gray hair is a crown of splendor. It is earned by a righteous life. I just saying, if you want to argue with it, you're arguing with the Word of God. You go right ahead. That's right. <laughs> I love it. Well, I know us well enough to know that we're probably not going to get a gray hair with the way we live. I don't right. know. But <laughs> but the reason I want to highlight uh, Pastor Ben this week was, uh, Scott, you and Ben have a good relationship and uh, spend time together at least semi-regularly. And I think this is kind of a unique thing because uh, you're his predecessor at Wyatt Park Christian Church. And unfortunately, I think the kind of relationship you guys have is probably rarer than it, it should is. be. Yeah, so. I think you're um, so I thought I'd pick your brain about Ben a little bit, and and we'll maybe let you dote on him a little bit, but also maybe I don't know if you want to kick him in the pants too. We'll see. Uh, but as if you oh, get, the mind <laughs> races, <laughs> as you've watched Ben pastor and preach, what are some of the characteristics that you admire most about him? Um, I have said this to Ben. I've also said it to some other people. <laughs> if I was asked before I retired to write a description of what I hoped would be present in my successor, hmm. I basically would have described Ben. Hmm. And, and I don't say that lightly. Um, I mean, I'm thrilled to see what he's doing there, but I'm also th- more thrilled to see how he's doing it. Mm-hmm. The, mm. the centrality of Jesus mm. in his ministry, I, I think, is so, that's so crucial. And, mm. and I spent a lot of years at 27th and Mitchell. Yeah trying to help that become a congregation that really gets it, mm. that a local church basically has two jobs, make mm. disciples of Jesus and help people grow as disciples of Jesus. Mm. Yeah. And um, and I think Ben shares that mm. and, and has continued that. And I think I believe to the depth of my soul that if – if a local church will stay laser focused on those things, God will take care of that local church. Mm. And and so there's that. Um, mm. He he clearly brings a pastor's heart to it, mm-hmm. and and that's so critical too because you got to love the people that's it. that God mm-hmm. entrusts into your care. And I think he clearly does. Mm. Um, and I always have appreciated his teaching. I learn from him, and I don't call it preaching; I call it teaching. Mm. Okay. And and I think that's what Ben does. Uh, I appreciate his sense of humor. We crack jokes <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's from Kansas, and that's a negative, but <laughs> but it's outweighed by sure. all the <laughs> absolutely <laughs> by so many good things, you know. Mm. <laughs> that's awesome. That's good. That's good. No, I I mean I've got to say coming to to Wyatt Park. Um, doing my homework before for coming here and, and, and seeing your tenured ministry and then before Eugene Mockapee and 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 others uh, read I, I mean as soon as I knew that it was a possibility that we would come to Wyatt Park I, f- I found your book on the mm-hmm. church website mm-hmm. um, beyond the window and I and I read that so I can get a sense of who who the church was and it just you know a big part of what I've enjoyed in coming here is I haven't had to lay a foundation for um, the kind of ministry and the kind of church that that I would like to be a part of um, that's that has already been laid for me and yeah. so part of that has just been able to, to come in and to receive uh, the baton and just to be another leg in the race you know um, and, and I have said to, to folks that I, it thrills me to see Ben beginning to take the church to places that I never could. Mm. Once in a while, they'll raise an eyebrow, and I'll then I will then add, just as I took the play, the mm. church to places that Gene Mockaby never could. Sure. That's how it's supposed to work, and um, and it is, and that's just just a really mm. neat thing to see. Mm. Amen. As as you've spent time with Ben. Um, and kind of just watched him minister at Wyatt Park uh, over the last couple of years. Are there areas that you've kind of seen start to grow and develop uh, in him specifically? You know, I think he's growing as a leader of staff, and mm. that's mm. Um, that that's challenging. Anybody who has to manage people <laughs> will tell you yeah. that and right. and lead people, and uh, and I think he's definitely grown in that. And we've had a lot of conversations about sure. that, and. Um, and that is, it doesn't matter what vocation you're in. Mm-hmm. If you have to manage people, most of the time, the person will say that's the hardest part of the job. Yeah. And uh, and I think he's definitely grown in that. But but just to 
just to see his, his, his growing relationship with the people there. And, you know, from, from the, almost from the beginning, you know, it was a year and a half before, after I left Wyatt Park, before Dee Dee and I worshiped there again. Mm. And I'll tell you that story later. But during that time, once you got there, Ben, uh, you know, I'd see people at Hy-Vee or Price Shopper or mm. wherever, and, oh, it's great to see you, guys. We miss you. And Dee, but we just love Ben. <laughs> He's just... And I was thrilled to hear that. Mm. That's exactly what I wanted. You know, so I was there 24 and a half years. Round it up to 25 if you want to, and we'll call it a quarter century. <laughs> so almost a quarter century I was at Wyatt Park. Mm. And, you know, I poured my life into that place for almost a quarter century. I want it to thrive. I want it to right. continue Amen. growing, you know. Amen. And so when I see that it is, it's just mm. it just makes me smile. Mm-hmm. Mm. I love it. Well, to your point, like I as a as a staff person under Ben, I know like this is maybe the first boss I've had that there's never when he steps like into my office or calls mm. me into his like I, I don't I don't get nervous or stressed about that. <laughs> um, it's usually I know it's going to be like a, a positive conversation, even if it's something. Hey, we got to take care of this or that. He has a way of, mm. I think, even framing um, difficulties in right. ministry in a way that isn't off-putting or mm. stressful to to mm. me as a staff person. So mm. I know I've really enjoyed having him as a boss for right. sure. Right. Um, so, I just uh, when you were transitioning out, how, how having him come in, how did that just make that that whole transition easier? Well, it made it it made it easier just from the stamp from the from the get go when I was starting to hear. But we just love Ben. Yeah, that, perfect. That's what <laughs> I want to hear. And um, you know, and I had a good role model in terms of stepping away from a congregation in Gene Mockaby. Okay. And I was blessed to be his associate pastor mm. for nine and a half years. He was there 17 years. And when he retired at the end of 2005, he and his wife, Sonny, stayed in St. Joseph for just a few years. They've been in New Hampshire for a long time now. But they were there for a few years. And for that first year, they, they stayed away from Wyatt Park. And he and I would have lunch regularly. And, you know, I'd say, we went to this church and we went to that. Boy, they just don't feel right. I said, ben, or, or, I said Gene, you've got a church home. All right. Nope, I'm staying away for a year, which they did. But after that year, then they came back, and Mm -hmm. they worshiped basically every week, sat back there by the soundboard, and uh, they would come to the Wednesday night dinners Mm. some. Um, But but he came back, and he was a worshiper. He was a member of the church. Um, I don't know what kind of conversations he might have had with people, speaking to him about his role as pastor. <laughs> sure. But I don't think there were many. Mm. And, you know, and he he made clear to them what I did. You know, I'm not your pastor anymore. Mm. I'll be your friend. I'll see you at the store, and we'll have dinner together and all that, but I'm not your pastor mm. anymore. And uh, because he wanted his successor mm. to succeed, mm. and I wanted Ben to succeed. Mm. I wanted Ben to take mm. that church to places that I never could, and I knew that a big stumbling block to that would be if I kept sticking my nose into things mm. and meddling. Mm. And so I didn't, I didn't want to do that to him. It wasn't done to me, and, and I appreciated that. Mm. And it made a difference, I think. And I just I wanted to Ben to have the same opportunity to get his own feet on the ground and get himself established. And, you know, so it was almost a year from the time he got there yeah. until Dee Dee and I worshiped there again. And, and that came only mm. after... Ben and I had ridden to a clergy dinner together, yeah. and we were riding back into St. Joseph, mm. and I was finishing up an interim up at the church at Savannah, and he said, so what are you going to do after that? And I thought, well, dude, you opened the door. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm going to drive the truck through it. And, and so I just said, you know, among other things, Dee Dee and I would love to worship at Wyatt Park again. Mm. And he didn't hesitate a picosecond. <laughs> yeah. He said... Well, you should. That's your home. You mm. come to Wyatt Park anytime you want to. Mm. I needed to hear him say that. Mm. But there needed to be a window of time for him to be established, for him to get to know that I'm not going to meddle and that kind of thing, for him to be comfortable to say yeah, that. Sure. And, and it seemed that he was very mm. comfortable when he said that. Oh, yeah. 
And I cannot tell you how much it means to Didi and me to still be able to worship there and to still call that our church home. That mm-hmm. is our church home. I may be doing an interim somewhere else. You'll be back, and but, we're looking forward but, to that too. Well, and yeah. I mean, Didi's leading the prayer shawl ministry, yeah. and you know, I mean, we're we support the church financially. It, that's our church home. Mm. Amen. And I think it always will be, and I am so grateful for that. That's awesome because there's not a lot of pastors who, when they retire or leave a church, um, that they could say, "I I want to go back." Right. And 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 it's sad to say that, but um, and and there are others who maybe they would want to, but because of rules, because of maybe their predecessor, mm-hmm. not you know. I mean, there's all sorts of things that happen there, and. You know, my, my father-in-law, uh, you know, he was a United Methodist minister. He just retired. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, with their system, it's a little different than ours. But they moved to a whole new town uh, after after he finished his ministry. And so they're having to, to go through that process of trying to find mm. their home church. Right. And so for, for you or any other retired pastor after after years of ministry to be able to have a place that you say this is this is my church home and, and to be to be a member there and still be able to use mm-hmm. your gifts however you see fit mm-hmm. um, I, I think I think that's just it's it's a win-win and it went when you had asked about you and Didi coming back and worshiping I mean there was no hesitation because um, from from day one I've always known that your heart was just to see Wyatt Park continue to faithfully follow Jesus right. and so there's right. there's there's no hesitation because you're like-minded with with myself and the rest of the congregation, and it makes sense because <laughs> you wouldn't have been there for 25 years. If... <laughs> so, anyways, it's yeah. been it's been just a great experience uh, overall. Well, for me, it's been fun to watch, and I just again, I think this is how it's supposed to work. And so, kudos to you guys. And I I, I wanted to highlight what I think might be the key. <laughs> If other ministers want to do this, I know where this is going. Is, right? You guys have consumed a lot of tenderloin sandwiches research. together. It's research. It's, oh, research. it's science. Very well, serious. Well, I want to know from your scientific <laughs> method. From your research, what is the best tenderloin sandwich uh, in Buchanan County here? Um, I mean, agency is uh, that's, yeah. that's the first that we went to. Jay's that's yeah. the first place. I, I introduced Ben to Jay's, and that, everything's that been would... a disappointment since. Huh? Well, not really. No, not <laughs> really. I was going to say Pop's place was was. I mean, it, they're two different sandwiches, and mm. so you've got to take that into account. Um, but I would say those are probably my two favorite. But I don't know if I've met a tenderloin that I didn't. At least have a good time with you. <laughs> well, and I'm with you. Jay's down at agency. Yeah. Um, and 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 I had been to Pop's place a yeah. long, long time ago down there in South End on Illinois. And but you reintroduced me to it. Okay. And okay. and yeah, those those would be my two favorites right mm. now is Jay's and Pop's yeah, place. But, absolutely. But yes, more research is needed. It, there right. is. Yeah. Yeah. We 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 yeah. don't want to shortchange <laughs> the scientific method. So no, no, we have so to. So the research must continue. It's going to continue for a while mm-hmm. because we really want to, when we do declare you know the absolute best, we're going to want to make sure that we've done our due diligence. We've done our due diligence. That's right. Exactly. Well, to our listeners, if you have suggestions that you'd like these guys to check out, yeah. please send them. Oh away. yeah, absolutely. So. Sure. We'll more, research, more research is better. There is uh, in Atchison. That, that's a trip we'll have to take down okay. there to, to Willie's. Um, but it's uh, I'm, I'm not ready to. Because it, I, I can't give it a complete... I, I need to have my, my research partner with me before I <laughs> anoint anything. So There we go. I love it. Our national celebration this week will be July 12th, 2023, the Night of Nights. So the Night of Nights is celebrated annually every July 12th. It commemorates when the last commercial Morse code transmission in the U.S. was sent. Many years ago, messages, usually in Morse code, were transmitted by radio waves. Through the efforts of Maritime Radio Historical Society, that's MRHS, if you want the short, um, uh, West Marin's historic Morse code radio station, KPH, returns to the air for a day and transmits a Morse code from 5.01 uh, p.m. to midnight. Uh, 
Listeners wait to hear the signals of the great station once again fill their receivers. Many will join the MRHS after the receiving station at the Point, of Re uh, Point Reyes National Seashore to marvel as the signals are transmitted by hand using vintage telegraph keys. So I thought that was just kind of a neat celebration. Um, but I thought it would raise uh, kind of a neat question of how have you guys kind of seen technology change, uh, communication technology specifically, change over your lifetime and just even in ministry um, as we've used it? This kind of, I mean, you did work in radio, which we'll probably get to it. But so what do you think about this? Is this familiar to you? Oh, uh, <laughs> well, I, no, not Morse okay. code, but I don't go back quite that, that far. far. <laughs> but, you know, I, I have noted that in my day, <laughs> your television signals came over the air mm. and your telephone was hardwired. Mm. Mm. And now your telephone, mm. your telephone signals come over the air. Yeah. And your television is hardwired into mm. cable or your yeah. fiber optic or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. Um, interesting, interesting change. And of course, when I started in radio, when I fell in love with radio, AM was where all the action was. Mm. The FM band was a new thing, and and that's obviously much different now. Um, growing up around here. And I lived on a farm about four miles away from here until I was 10. And then we moved into Plattsburgh, which is five miles mm -hmm. down the road. We got four channels, mm -hmm. channel two out of St. Joseph and channel four, five, and nine out of Kansas City. Wow. That was it. Wow. Now, and I've got a digital antenna right out there. Yeah. And every now and then, I will have the TV go through and search for however many. It's up to like 65 or 70 channels it's getting now. Because yes. so many of the channels now have multiple subcarriers that they have. And uh, and obviously the internet's changed everything, mm. um, and and not all for the good, but but mm. like any tool, it can be used for good or for ill. And you know, as I wrote in the book, there was a time when Wyatt Park Christian Church broadcast on local AM radio mm. stations its worship service. Mm. Well, that's great, and that's what you could do then. Sure but you were limited to the range of that signal and people tuned in at that time sure. and they had to be listening at that time. Right. And now you put it online, it's on the World Wide Web, you can watch it anywhere in the world at any time. Right. Mm. It's just, mm. it, 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 that's a wonderful opportunity. Um, it's challenging because there are so many different ways to communicate now and, um, you know, in, in my day, in the church, <laughs> you know, you sent out the newsletter. That's how you communicated. Yeah. Right. You want to get information. You put it sure. in the newsletter. Everybody read the newsletter. Well, now you put it on the newsletter. You put it on Facebook. You email. You, you do whatever you do. All these different ways. Mm. <laughs> and yeah. of course, then you still have people say, "I didn't know anything I didn't about know that. What was going on? I did everything but carrier pigeon. What's right. the deal? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But it's changed. Yeah. I mean, it has changed dramatically. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you think about the day when people, if you wanted to find a new church in an area, you would go to to the white pages of your phone book, you which know? don't exist anymore. Yeah, <laughs> you know. I mean, and so now you just you, you Google churches and mm -hmm. wherever, and mm -hmm. then hope that your church has enough uh, of the rights. Whether it's reviews or you know hits or to to be in the first page for people to see, and White Park's not doing too bad uh, in, in that. But I mean, that, that's just one one change there for for folks. And and it's so important that that be kept up with because uh, I, I remember when a, a family came and they started worshiping regularly and ended up joining the church and they're still there. And I said, "How did you find us online?" Now this was years ago, mm -hmm. and and he said, and it was interesting. Yours was one of the few church websites where everything was current. <laughs> That's something. I mean, you have to yeah. maintain it. Yeah. And, right. But, but you have to maintain all of that. Yeah. And so now you've got all these platforms mm -hmm. that you have to take care of. So it's more complicated. Sure. sure. Mm -hmm. It's way more complicated. Yeah. But it's got potentially way more reach. Hmm. Do you guys feel like, because you're talking about we can broadcast as, as far as we can, is there, is there some detriment to... One of the things I love about Wyatt Park Christian Church is that family mm -hmm. feel, right. and that there's something there's something special about stepping in that building and, yep. and the feel of the people. That the technology um, people maybe think of doing church online, which is a, a phrase that I don't even know if I'm comfortable with after experiencing 2020 and some mm -hmm. of the aftermath uh, of that. Do you is there some downside? Uh, 
to to the, the again the potential reach other like you said it takes up time sometimes people have to have a whole staff person just to, to manage all this right. which is resources that could go uh, to something else but just for the sake of people's Christian faith understanding of, of what the church is um, does some of this maybe affect us negatively or in ways that we should at least maybe have some caution about I think the um you know, you mentioned doing church online. That's fine if you're not meeting in person. Sure. That's fine if you're sick, you're not able to be there. It's a it's as an occasional alternative because mm -hmm. you, you can't be there in person. But it cannot take the place of being together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, it just can't. Mm -hmm. And you know, related to that I have a real philosophical difficulty <laughs> with people who earn mm -hmm. seminary degrees totally online. Mm -hmm. you're I'm feeling convicted. You're, you're preparing. <laughs> well, I, you're it wasn't all online. <laughs> you're, you're preparing for a high touch vocation mm -hmm. remotely. I don't. I, yeah. There's just there's sure. a disconnect there. I'm fine to have some of it, but I just sure. sure. You're preparing for a vocation that requires you hmm. to be in person with people, sure. and um, and I just struggle with the idea that preparation for that can all be done remotely. Hmm. <laughs> you Amen. know, yeah. it just seems sure. I just I can't make those two fit together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I mean there's there's a, a tension there. Um, Talking about online and church, or you know, um, to to understand its limitations, and so for for Christians who can use it as a resource, great. You know, if right. if you weren't able to to listen to the message because you were sick, or you have to watch at home, and we have a, a few folks, um, a handful of folks of the church who week to week that's their thing, and then beyond that, we have people from the church that go out and serve them communion, and that's how sure. it should be. But right. Um, but to to be a a Christian apart from having some sort of um, feet on the ground in a church membership in a local church is extremely difficult, and it's certainly not any anything that I think any one of us would recommend, or really any pastor would mm -hmm. recommend. So, and I think when you read scripture, it's the the the, the visioning <laughs> yeah. in scripture clearly is that we're going to be in a faith community. Yeah, we're going to be together regularly. Yeah. And, and I just think that has to, to get the full experience of being a follower of Jesus, yeah. sure. being, a faith, being in a faith community is just has to be part of it. 100%. Being physically there. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, uh, the church like literally means like the assembly or mm -hmm. the gathering. Right. And I, I mean, it's just interesting to me that that really, the significance of that came out uh, in that season where we it, it couldn't right. um, or were limited, mm -hmm. um, and that there there might actually be some real theological value to understanding that that physical assembly. Mm -hmm. there, there's something that's that uh, again, like you guys say, I think there are cases in which that's perfectly appropriate. I think these tools allow us to uh, again allow someone to feel connected when they can't physically be there. Right. Um, but there's something that is lost when we. We remove that that physical gathering, being in the same place, uh, again sharing Lord's Supper together, mm -hmm. uh, hearing each other's voices. Right. Um, even though, I, and again, if you're sitting near me, that might not be a, a all positive experience. There's there's something that happens when we're in proximity with one another. Yeah. Um, yeah. Other thoughts just about how communications either affected pastoral ministry uh, for the for the better or for the worse, where um, we let this. Yeah, I mean, you know, there there were a lot of ministers that during the height of 2020, um, that was their like they're like were like they weren't planning on retirement, you know, and, but then they were like, that's that's it, I'm <laughs> done, <laughs> you know, because then you're going from um, really from from ministry in person, seeing people to, you know, God bless the pastors who did what they could do with with, with a phone, you know, there were plenty of them where they just put it on the on the pedestal or. Um, God bless the pastors who uh, had had their churches didn't have any any sort of online presence until you know uh, mm. the week before everything had shut down. Well, and we and, did, of course, we did the worship online, and and then Cindy and Tanya and I divvied up yeah. the active member list. Mm. 
and every one of them was called yeah. mm. every week. And and a lot of them were just short, just checking on your phone calls. Sure. But we divided that up and 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 had at least a little bit of contact that way. Sure. Which that's what we could do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, in those moments. Sure. Um, but you know, I, I and I see it in in businesses where and other organizations where sending an email takes the place of just going down the hall and talking to the person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, sending a text message takes the place of yeah. stepping across and, and, and just chatting with somebody. Mm. And I think that's unfortunate. And I think especially in a church, we have to guard mm. against yeah. Yeah. letting technology take the place of the sure. in-person. It's fine to use it for meeting reminders and that kind of thing. Sure. But, you know, there's times when people just need to hear from their pastor. Yeah. Amen. And not a text message or an email, but sure. they need to, yeah. a phone call, a personal visit, or whatever. Yeah. And 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 we just have to be on guard because it, it's easier to send the email. Sure, sure. absolutely. Yeah. It is. Yeah, yeah. Amen. It's not nearly as rewarding though. Sure. No, yeah. No. That's right. no. Because when you sit down and actually visit with people, you get to know their stories, and and, yeah. you, and you just you come away with a new appreciation of who they are, yeah. and what they've experienced. You mm-hmm. don't get that in text messages and sure. emails. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. That's great. Well, and I feel like this this is a real opportunity for the church to kind of stand out from our culture as we mm-hmm. think of. I mean, you think of, the, I, I mean, it's almost like an oxymoron, social media, um, when it's not actually real human interaction, mm-hmm. rather than run headlong into where technology is going, mm-hmm. um, maybe the church could stop and say, hey, let this is a real opportunity to be countercultural in some right. sense and emphasize what you just said, mm-hmm. um, that real human contact. Um, again, not because the other one, I, I don't want to demonize it like some people do, but at the same time, uh, rather than feeling like we have sure. to follow that trend, I think we could be real countercultural and show some, some people of the, of the love of God and the community of Christ right. what it really looks like. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, this day in history uh, also chose July 12th, 1976. It's the first family feud uh, game show that debu- uh, debuts on ABC. Um, so my question to you guys, are you guys a fan of family feud? And if so, what do you like? If not, what, what annoys you about it? <laughs> have, have, do you have history watching? Like, no, I mean, I've like, seen it, but <laughs> it's, it's not something I yeah. <laughs> put on my calendar to make sure I watch every week. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I saw that the and some of these uh, hosts I wasn't even familiar with. I certainly mm-hmm. remember Richard Dawson doing it when it first started. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of fun, but I don't don't watch it very often. Yeah, I, I mean, I had heard about it before Steve Harvey, but I didn't watch much of it until Steve Harvey. And it's it's been a while since I've actually like mm-hmm. seen the show actively. But what what I've seen. I, I've enjoyed. I think. I think it's it's always fun to sort of guess what the what the top answer is and stuff. But, um, but yeah, it's. I mean, it's probably it hasn't been my 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 favorite TV show. So there's. I got. So one of my jobs was live in caregiving for cognitively disabled uh, pedophiles, um, which was a season that was different. Um, but one of the guys uh, that I that I lived with, he would often have the game show mm. on. So I watched way too much Price is Right mm-hmm. and way too much Family <laughs> Feud. Um, and so it was interesting. I remember Ray Combs growing up uh, uh, was the guy I, I remember. I didn't even know Richard Dawson was before him. But I found out that he used to like kiss every female contestant on the show um, as kind of one of his thing one of his things and that it's funny watching that now it, it feels a little uncomfortable mm-hmm. um but yeah I, I mean louis anderson john hurley i kind of remember i think steve harvey has been by by far uh the the best i, I think what i love about the show is some of the questions it just brings out um how people think um and one i guess because they're polling people like how does america think about certain things and how do they answer it's kind of scary it it can can be it can be quite frightening um but what i think what steve harvey does is when someone just like offers up an absurd answer that no one probably should throw out there it becomes this opportunity for a very uh, comedic moment yeah, yeah and i didn't i hadn't realized that he had outlasted everybody else um 
So it, I was, that's impressive since 2010. Mm-hmm, Steve Harvey's been mm-hmm. there. Yeah, if you get a chance, like, and want to laugh, YouTube like some of his best funniest moments yeah. on, on yeah, the there's, show. There's some good ones. And um, I mean, I feel sorry for some of the people that make the answers that they make. But I guess if you go on that show, you should probably plan to be embarrassed if you offer up something <laughs> um, a little off the that's wall. Right. <laughs> so family, yeah, it's had it's had a pretty good run. Um, is it again, still, is it it's still, still going. Okay. And uh, yeah, I didn't realize that there was a couple of places that lulled. But I was just—I was shocked to see that it had been what well, we're approaching fifty years. Wow! Yeah, so that's a crazy. long time. Yeah, it is. Mm. So anyway, this day in history, first Family Feud. There, there you go. go. Mm. All right, Scott. Yes, sir. Um, we thought since we didn't have a sermon today to, or, uh, to talk about, I guess. Oh, we'll you had a sermon. We, we, <laughs> yes, it was in song. And I watched that last song, and that's one of my favorite new G songs. Yeah. And I was watching that. And I thought, that when are you all going to stand up? Because you yeah. can't stay seated for that <laughs> yeah, song. I was, I was surprised it took them as long as it did. Oh, but once man. they did, there were some hands oh, yeah. raising. And, oh, yeah. yeah. We got a little Pentecostal mm-hmm, in there. So mm-hmm. That's all right. <laughs> it was that's good. All right. Oh, yeah. man. Well, it, it was great because my kids were jamming in the back, and yeah. Asher came home and was like, I think... I think I could I could do that, and so like uh, uh, we're gonna see. Well, uh, like he's been a part of bands and stuff, and so now there might be some interest in him being a part of a choir. Well, and it's just amazing to think that that chorus started at Wyatt yep. Park. Yeah, what was it? Fifty three years ago. That's what Bimo had thrown out. September so. December uh-huh. nineteen seventy was their very first concert. Wow. Okay. Older than go. Family Feud. <laughs> Older than <laughs> Family right. Feud. That's right. That's amazing. Yeah. So much legacy. So much history there. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, if if uh, so basically if you, if you want to listen to the concert, just go on the church Facebook page or the YouTube page, and you can watch the the new G message and song. That's what they've been calling it for sermon 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 and song. And song. That's, right. that's why he's correcting singers, me because yeah. it was yeah. a sermon. You're sermon right. And song. Just in yeah. song, yeah. yeah, right. That's good, awesome. But yeah, so uh, it, so we, and we, I mean, we could probably discuss those songs if we had lyrics in front of us. But I thought <laughs> we would, since we're out at Scott's farm, we might highlight um, yeah. him and some of his life. And uh, you know, in some some conversations that we've had uh, in the short time that I've known you, I've picked up that you weren't always in full time ministry. Correct. And so I thought. Uh, you could share with us a little bit about what you did before becoming a pastor and maybe some of those skills that God developed during that season actually aided you when you did step into full-time ministry. I spent 17 years on the radio, uh, all of almost all of that in newsrooms, and I was a news director for about 10 of those years, so I ran news departments. Um, and uh, that work so I actually started in St. Joseph. My first full-time radio job was at KFEQ. Okay. And uh, then went to Kansas City, to KMBZ, and then on to Detroit and Denver and Charlotte and also Columbia, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And um, had a wonderful career, worked at some tremendous stations uh, with some amazing broadcast talent, just incredible talent, incredibly talented people and incredibly good people. Um, and our news departments won some really prestigious national mm-hmm. awards. Uh, so I really had a good career with that. And I think, you know, as I thought back on that, it, um, I think it helped me in writing, and I can use the word sermons, I usually call them messages, but, but to write the message. Mm-hmm. Because when you're writing a newscast, you're writing it for the ear. Mm. And the same thing when you're writing a sermon, when mm. you're, writing a, you're writing it for the ear. Mm-hmm. And people get one chance to hear it. Mm. So you have to say it well. Mm. You have to speak clearly. You have to be easy to understand. Mm. <clears throat> you have to reiterate some things. So, you know, the rule of thumb in, in broadcast journalism is tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you told them. That's right. And, and it's mm. kind of the same thing in sermons. Yeah. Mm. Sure. You know, you kind of need to tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you told them. you got to keep coming back to the, to the key point so that they can, they can take it home with mm. them. Um, and and so that that helped me a lot. The a lot of, of news reporting is telling someone's story. Mm. There's a lot of that in sermons too. Mm. There's a lot of that in funerals. Mm. Sure. Uh, you know, when we have the opportunity to tell someone's story, mm. uh, and sometimes there'll be something that's that that's been experienced by someone that we know that we're able to bring into a sermon and kind of help illustrate a point. Obviously, you do that with their permission. But, um, you know, just a lot of that. I think the the writing and and telling telling the story, understanding I'm speaking to people who are listening and they only get one chance to hear it. Mm. 
probably that helped more than anything. I was always on news talk stations, so um, we did a lot of extended coverage. So election night, for example, you went on the air when the polls closed at 7 a.m. and you were on the air till midnight, and you didn't have a bit of script in mm. front of you. Mm. And mm -hmm. so you have to be comfortable. And, and that's helped me, you know, when I, when I teach in worship, I don't have any notes in front of me. I don't have anything in front of me. I don't like having some physical thing between me and the people. And that's just me. That's just sure. my style. Sure. Um, but but that time in that season helped me. Yeah. Helped me do that, and it, <laughs> it also prepared me to encounter some of the stuff you encounter in people's lives in ministry. Hmm. When people say, "But you've never seen anything like this before." Well, yeah, I have, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I don't get so, I've, you know, I've been in ministry for 31, 32 years now, and and I was in journalism for 17 years, and I just don't get surprised much anymore. Mm -hmm. mm. That's awesome. The more so, things change, the more they stay the same. Pretty as much. That's right, that's right. <laughs> pretty much. So what, what led to that transition from, from uh, radio into full-time ministry? Um, what did that call look like? And uh, maybe as a part of that, if there is someone out there who is maybe in the middle of a career but feeling that tug um, into ministry, would you have any advice for them? Um, yeah, and I'll get to that in a okay. second. The, I first felt a tug to ministry when I was in middle school. And I was... Growing up at the Christian church right down the road here in Plattsburgh, mm. and our middle school youth group at that time was called Cairo, mm. and we had hosted a Cairo event for not just our church, but for junior high, as we called it then, youth from all around this area. And, and I don't think I was the primary organizer of it, but I was one of them. Which meant that when it was all over, I was the last guy there cleaning up the place. Mm -hmm. You know how that goes. Mm -hmm. and, but the pastor, a guy named Jack McInnes, was there too. And Jack Jack just played a huge role in my life. Mm. And uh, so we were cleaning and, and just visiting. And at one point he said, so you thought about what kind of career you might want to follow later on, which was a better way to ask, what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I want to work in radio. And, and I think I want to work in news. I just think I'm fascinated with news, and I'm fascinated with radio, and I, and I, want, I think I want to do that. And he said, well, that's, that's good. And he was encouraging. But then he said, but I got something else I'd like for you to consider. Hmm. He said, Scott, I think you've got some gifts for ministry. I, I hope you'll consider hmm. being a pastor in a local church. And that planted the seed. Mm. How old were you at that time? Uh, he had prob I think eighth grade, mm. either okay. seventh or eighth grade, but I think probably eighth grade. Mm. And um, and he he didn't really say anything more about it. He just let that seed germinate, <laughs> okay. if you will. And um, and then you know, so I went on you know through high school and doing the normal stuff, and and was still really looking toward radio. And about the time I was about eighteen, I think. For some reason, well, I was really involved at the church because we were without a pastor, and I was at a place in my schedule in my life where I could do a lot there to help out, so I did, including mm -hmm. preaching some. And and I felt, I started feeling that stirring quite a bit, and I wrestled with it for about a year. Here comes the advice you asked me about. Mm -hmm. It came from a retired Methodist minister named Carl Bergston, and I kind of came under his wing, and when I think about how in the world did I come under the wing of a retired Methodist pastor? Mm -hmm. I'm guessing it had to be the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. But we had great conversations, but one of the things he said was, stay out of it if you can. <laughs> and I understood what he meant. Yeah. yeah. What he meant was, unless you just can't do right. anything else, don't get into ministry. Mm -hmm. So that would be some of my advice. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And... And I really started thinking about that. And I was even preaching some at the church at that point, maybe once every two months. Mm. And, and I got to thinking, okay, doing that once every two months is way different than doing it every seven days, Yeah. along with funerals and counseling and all the other stuff that goes along with being a pastor. And I, I concluded then that I wasn't ready for it. Mm. Um, so I pursued that other interest, which was radio. Had a great career in that. 
But in 1982, so 10 years after I graduated from high school, I realized I had to finish my degree. I wasn't wise enough to finish it when my folks were willing to help pay for it. Mm. <laughs> and so I had to do it the hard way of seven years and nights and weekends. Mm. And, and that started at the University of South Carolina in Columbia in 82, and it finished at Queens, and Queens College in Charlotte, North Carolina. And, and so I was finishing the, the degree, and I, my major was business administration. And I chose that for two reasons. One, the company would reimburse the tuition because it would apply to my work. But the other was, I thought, you know, even if someday I do become a pastor, I'm still going to have to know how to manage budgets and that that's kind of true. thing. So <laughs> yeah. this will be useful information. And uh, so that's what I did. Hmm. Finished that. And I was working on that. And in 1990, we had a management change at the station I was at in Charlotte, WBT. And the new general manager came in, and he wanted to bring in his own people as department heads. And he made it very clear, and I was news director, he made it very clear that he wanted all of us to leave. Hmm. Now, we knew he didn't have the money to fire us because he'd have to give us severance pay, but he made our lives miserable. <laughs> and and I, we all looked. Yeah. We all outlasted him. By the way, he got fired nine months later. But <laughs> <clears throat> we all looked. And I looked at radio jobs, TV jobs, print jobs, public relations, and nothing seemed right. And I was sitting in my backyard in Charlotte on a Saturday afternoon in September of 1990. And Dee Dee and the girls were somewhere. I don't remember where. And there was this tremendous sense of the presence of God. Hmm. Now, there weren't multitudes of angels. There weren't claps of thunder. There weren't bolts of lightning. But there was this clear sense of the presence of God. And a very clear message. Hmm. I let you look around. Nothing cranked your tractor. It's time to come to work for me now. Hmm. And there was just this sense of peace that settled over me. And when Dee Dee got home, I said, I know what I'm supposed to do. Hmm. I'm supposed to stick with the WBT, finish at Queens, and go to seminary. Hmm. And she said, okay. And so that's what happened. Now, I still had another two years of undergraduate work, and so I was still at WBT. Like I said, we outlasted that guy. Mm -hmm. um, so I had plenty of time to back out. But all through that time, God just kept opening doors, hmm. and and it just it just became clearer and clearer that that's exactly what I was supposed to do. Hmm. So I walked away from a good career, hmm. a good company, a good job, because I knew that's what God wanted me to do, hmm. and and awesome. and it was it just worked out very very well, and I've been very very blessed, hmm. very blessed. Uh, that's awesome. That's a long answer to a short question. No, I, that's this is what that's what we want. That's <laughs> perfect. I think that's I think that story can be real helpful. Um, just because I, I again I, I've met a number of, of mm -hmm. men who I think thrived in ministry uh, as a as a second career. And I don't know about you, and maybe you could speak to the value of uh, spending time with people who didn't just kind of start in this from mm -hmm. from a young age. Mm -hmm. um, it reminds me of what you said. It's like if you could do anything else, don't do it. It's a reminder that. When I want to wane or my heart feels like mm -hmm. I don't want to do it anymore, it's like there are people who gave up um, a lot to to actually pursue this and and is a reminder that this is not something I have to do right um, it's a gift that i that I get to do yes. um, and so I always appreciate hearing those stories because it's a good reminder well, and having that career in private enterprise for all those years, you know when I would have lunch with the church member who's also a businessman. I can talk the lingo. Mm -hmm. And um, and it, it has helped me in my ministry to people, but also just in my leadership of a congregation to, to have in mind the, the kinds of demands that are on these folks when they're not yeah. at the church. Yeah. You know, and because they've got demanding bosses and they've got you know, work mm -hmm. issues and family and all kinds of stuff going on in their lives. And to have experienced that myself, um, you know, I, I think I think my ministry anyway was much richer than it would have been had I gone straight from high school to college to seminary to ministry. I think to have that sure. career in there for 17 years really really made the ministry experience a lot mm. fuller and richer. Mm -hmm. yeah, you don't frustrate over the quote-unquote lazy layperson when you've actually um, experienced what they have to, to go through. Exactly, mm. exactly. <laughs> that kind of, in, that stuff in, in fact, it was kind of part of my mission 
at Wyatt Park. It's been my mission at Savannah and Plattsburgh yeah. doing interims. Let's just get rid of all the unnecessary meetings. And I've yet to have anybody say, gosh, I wish you wouldn't do that. <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. I love it. Well. No, I, you know, as, as you share your journey uh, going into ministry, I mean, there's like a wrestling there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and even even people th- that I've known that sort of, they knew they were supposed to go in, into full-time ministry and that became ultimately their, their first, you know, there was still, you know, I guess if, if there's really no wrestling involved with, with that call with, with the ministry, mm. I think it's important for someone to, to wrestle with that before just jumping in and just... Um, because th- there's a- as much as f- for those that ha- are, have been in it and have served and would say, we know the joy, we know the ins and the outs, uh, th- there's there's just something about it that um, uh, until you, kind of like Jacob wrestling with, with, with God, there's, right. you, you just have to uh, come, and maybe it's not just ministry. Maybe it's, I mean, there's a lot of people that they end up going into what God has called them into, but not without some mm. some struggle, not mm-hmm. without some some dark nights of the soul, not, right? You know, mm-hmm. right? And so, and and perhaps there's some value in that. And, and dark nights know. of the soul that come once you're in it. That's true too. That's <laughs> because, that's true. Um, yeah. I mean, there are those moments even when you're in ministry when it feels yeah. like God's a gazillion miles away. Sure, you bet. And and they're just part of it. Mm. And and you. You know, when you get into ministry, you quickly realize that this is not all pretty flowers and unicorns. I mean, right. it's right. There's a lot of challenges that go sure. along with this, and yeah. and and you're working with people in some of their deepest stuff, mm. and sometimes that yeah. gets messy, it does. Mm. Yeah. and and it can get really stressful. And you know, I think for I was so fortunate to have the relationship with Gene every mm. day, just like you guys have. Um, but Ben knows he can call me anytime he wants. Mm, absolutely, and mm. we'll go do scientific research. That's right, <laughs> and we'll have some great conversation. Because you you've got to have that. And a joy for me has been mentoring pastors, especially that are serving out in rural communities, mm. and 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 just to be a resource and and to be someone that they can talk to and visit with. Because it is a challenging, you know, if you're getting into it because you think everybody's sweet and it's always going to be easy. Sure. It's not. I mean, there's going to be difficult yeah. times, right. and and you've got to have some support yeah. available. And you know, and um, and I'm glad to be able to be that for yeah. those, you know, some of those pastors out there and for staff. And I'm, you know, you Absolutely. guys have got that. Ben and I've got that. I mean, he, like I said, he knows he can call anytime he wants to. And um, it's so freeing to know that that's available because yeah. it, it it is challenging. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Another part of your ministry that I, I think is just noteworthy and something that I admire is, again, you started at Wyatt Park in 1996 as an associate. June, June of 96. And moved into the lead in, in uh, 20, oh, uh, let's see, 06, right? Yeah, yeah, January 1, 2006. That adds up to 25 years, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, not a lot of pastors will spend 25 years in, in one spot. And now, again, after <laughs> as a second career, which makes it really impressive. But what what do you think is the the value of rooting yourself in one faith community for a 25 year period? Wow, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there really is, and yeah. and part of it is what you can do. Um. Because it takes time for a pastor in a faith community to have a relationship such that they really trust one another mm-hmm. enough that they're willing to join together and step out on faith and take some risk. Mm-hmm. And, and that doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. And, and so it takes time. It takes time to build the relationships. But, but I think for me, the greatest blessing of staying put was the relationships with the people at Wyatt that just kept getting deeper and deeper and mm. deeper. Now, there's two sides to that coin. Mm-hmm. There's the, sh- the real blessing that goes along with those relationships that get deeper and deeper and deeper. Mm. But when you do a funeral, you're not doing a funeral for a church member. Mm. You're not even doing it just for a friend. You're doing it for somebody who really has become like family. Mm. And pastors grieve, too. Mm. And, um, I mean, there have been times when, I mean, I have shed many a tear 
um, and and had difficult, you know, the one we just did for Bud Solansky. And I think about yeah. what Bud, the role Bud played in my life mm-hmm. as a mentor and uh, and as a friend. And and it's just, you know, I can pull out a directory, a photo directory from Wyatt Park in years past, and I can just look through and yeah. all these wonderful saints that I yeah. had the privilege of of, of having a, a tiny role in their faith journey for a mm-hmm. while. And and just what a privilege that's been. And and I think when you stay put for a while, you you really you do come to appreciate the sacred privilege yeah. that mm-hmm. we have. Sure. You know, it, it's a it's a sacred privilege to stand up in front of that amazing forty foot tall stained glass work of art at Absolutely. Wyatt Park every week and proclaim the gospel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a sacred privilege. But it's a sacred privilege to come alongside people mm. at some especially vulnerable moments. Yeah. Mm. You know, I've, I've used as an illustration, and she knows I do, a woman in the church whose husband died of a heart attack at age 50. And, and so I was with him a lot at the hospital. The heart attack happened about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Mm. By midnight, he was dead. And, and I was out there with them. So were a lot of other people mm. because he had a lot of family. She had a lot of family, tons of friends. I mean, there was a lot of people out there. And and when the ER crew came in and looked at her and said, you and the girls can come back now, meaning they disconnected everything. Mm. And she looked at me, and with that index finger, she pointed for me to come, to come with her, not because I was a friend of the family, although mm. I am, but because I was her pastor. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine a more vulnerable moment Hmm. than the moment when a brand new widow Hmm. sees her deceased husband's body for the very first time. Hmm. And to be invited into that, it's a sacred privilege. Hmm. And it's a sacred privilege that ought never to Hmm. be taken lightly. Hmm. Um, But you have some of those. To have the privilege of holding someone's hand as they take their last breaths, mm-hmm. you know, to have the privilege of being some, yeah. being with someone as they're, you know, they're battling cancer and and it's that long prolonged battle and yeah. and you get to be with them, to be with the family that's struggling with the troubled child and you're kind of helping them work along. One of the first things I got to do at Wyatt Park was be a part of and I wasn't a part of the intervention itself but helped facilitate setting it up did a lot of ministry with the family beforehand and after with a with a man who was an alcoholic and and they decided to do an intervention and it it succeeded Mm -hmm. and he spent the next 15 years of his life as doing ministry to drunks Mm -hmm. and did a great job with it Mm -hmm. Um, you know it's just getting to be with people and those kinds of things and then the joyful times Absolutely. You know, yeah. How many years was I Caesar in Tableau? I don't know, <laughs> but it was a bunch. Froze my yeah. rear end every time. Um, yeah. But just those joyful times too. Mm. You know, to to look at a young man who, when I first met him, he was five years old mm. when they came to Wyatt Park, mm-hmm. and I baptized him, mm. and I did his I did his wedding, and and had him in youth group, and to watch him mm. when he stands up and preaches. Mm. And to know that I had a little role to play in that. That's awesome. I mean, to me, there's mm. there's nothing, there's no more greater, there's no greater source of joy than mm. than to watch somebody to, to to encourage someone to step out on faith, try something new, stretch their wings, and then just watch them soar for yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And man, <laughs> that's so that's awesome. That's so wonderful yeah, to see that. Wow. Well, I think that's mm. the like you said. That's uh, what. what the reminder to me is that's not something that's just going to happen no. in a couple years or right. three years. That right. You do have to, you know, give your, you know, when you give yourself and commit yourself, then, then mm-hmm. you're going to reap, uh, again, those those beautiful moments and, again, those sacred privileges, like you're saying. And it, it is, it, it, that comes from having a commitment and endurance and perseverance uh, and to, to a body. And so. And I had opportunities to go other places, especially when I was an associate, because we were growing. Sure. We started praise worship. We started a second praise worship. I mean, we were growing. Yeah. And, 
you know, people at other churches who were looking for pastors, they'd go through the yearbook and you could you could track the numbers and you could see where we're going. Oh, he's the associate Who's pastor. The, I'll bet he's easy picking. Up and coming. And let's pluck yeah. that guy. Right. And and so there were a lot of calls, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and yep. there were three of them that were interesting enough. I actually talked to the search committee, not in person, mm-hmm. but by phone. But I, for years, went up to Conception Abbey and would do some retreats up there. Mm-hmm. And with each of those, after the conversation, I would go up to Conception Abbey, and mm. there'd be some one-on-one me and God time. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And and each time, God just made it clear, uh, you're pretty much where I want you to be. Mm. <laughs> Works for me. Mm, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm glad to stay. Yeah. I love it. I mean, it, there's when when you were getting ready to to leave and retire, you were setting the congregation up for the next pastor, and and I. You had said something about, you know, why a park is unique and having pastors that had that kind of ten- tenure. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and and so, you know, coming to Wyatt Park and knowing that there were pastors before who were able to to finish out their ministries there to, you know, base. I mean, was was that your first full time after seminary? Mm-hmm. So. You know, that, that, I mean, that was for, for being a young minister, and I've, the longest I was at a place was five years in Texas. Right. And in that time, like, you know, looking back, I'm thinking, man, imagine all of the things I could have done with being there 10 years or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. at the end of five years, you feel good, but then it's like another five years, another five years, right. and like you said, the, the relationships, the trust mm-hmm. you build... Um, and, and then, of course, then the people go from... It, it's it, like you're not just there hired to be their pastor, but you're there as, as, as a brother in Christ is what it you're, becomes more and more of that. You're part of their life, and that's why, and they're part of yours, and, mm. and that's part of why I, I've always thought it was ludicrous for there to be rules in place that once you've served a church, you can't have any contact with the people there anymore. Right. Yeah. Well, that's right. just nonsense. Right. Yeah. That's your whole <laughs> because relational. You, exactly. <laughs> But there's two, yeah. and yeah. and um, you know I'm glad we've moved beyond that sure. yeah. in general. Um, but back to um, what we talked about at the beginning, uh, I I cannot put into words mm-hmm. what it means to me and to Didi to know that Wyatt Park is still home. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yep. Amen. Yeah, we're we're exci- I mean, I'm glad you're being used at at Plattsburgh, but we're looking forward to to having you on Sundays. <laughs> At, at the church. And, I look forward to that, too. Gonna be, I look good. forward to that, too. Absolutely. Yep. yep. Well, I was going to ask you for advice for young ministers, but I feel like I've gleaned like more than enough from our conversation already. Um, but one thing, okay. I just, as you're, as you're at the, again, um, let's say the back half of, of your, your ministry. The back, um, nine, the back nine. The back something. nine, if you will. You're old now. You're almost done, you know. <laughs> you're, well, you're, you're, your window is, is a little bigger than ours. And so as you, just, as you look around both the culture but also the, the state of the Christian church, are, are there things that you're seeing uh, that you just say, you know what, I, I'd, I'd offer a word of caution both to pastors but also just to churches um, about trends or things that you're noticing that you'd say, hey, let, just keep your eye on this. Well, I think for pastors, and we kind of talked about this before, don't let technology take the place of mm. interpersonal relationships. Mm-hmm. It's fine for meeting reminders and things like that, but sure. it's not. it can't take the place of the in-person ministry. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there's always going to be a need for high-touch, in-person care for people. And and I think as long as churches stay true to that, mm. and I go back to what we talked about earlier, and stay true to the basic calling to make disciples of Jesus and, and help people grow as disciples of Jesus, that the local church will do fine. It's going to look different. Sure. I mean, they're going to do, we're going to do some things in different ways. And, um, mm. you know, one of the things that, that I think we probably will see, and I kind of hope we do, is that we get away from the idea that if a local church is effective, then it has to offer things to every generation. Mm. No business does that. Mm. No, They target. Mm. And, 
you know mm. and if a church and a community is doing a great job reaching kids great yeah right but how about the 50 plus folks sure. in the community that don't have a church home that are big in number and are kind of being ignored yeah. sure and um you know so maybe we can begin to evolve away from that idea that you have to be all things to all, all people. people absolutely because when you try to That's do good. that you end up being nothing to anybody not well mm. sure so you know that would be that would be one i think technology gives us tremendous opportunities but there's hazards associated sure. with that too and just to be aware of those as well uh, and really be open mm. to the movement of the spirit amen mm. Speaking to this Pentecostals, ex-Pentecostals. Well, and, you know, so the first board meeting I was at at Plattsburgh, and this is a church where I grew up. So, I mean, it's an interesting experience being the pastor there. That could be a whole other podcast. But, yes. but you know, we, we got to talking about one of them. They've been through some difficult times. And they'd finished the business part, and I'd done my little report, and one, one of the longtime members said, well, what, what do we do first? And that opened the door, and I shared from my heart, and they started sharing from their hearts. We had some wonderful conversation. Mm. But, you know, just mm. kind of a – they're looking for a sense of direction. And they said, you know, there's the old line, you got to think outside the box. Uh, let me push that a little. Let's just get rid of the box. <laughs> just get rid of the box and give the Holy Spirit full freedom to move. Mm. And let's see what happens. And I, we got to do that. Amen. It's awesome. Well, that's what I got, gentlemen. <laughs> so we usually do a sign-off, and you're in radio, so you might have yours. So we'll do ours, and then you can sign off however you want, and we'll call it a wrap. Let's do it. So, folks, beware of the bears. Grace and peace out. <laughs> How do I follow that? <laughs> Because if I signed off with call letters, that wouldn't make any sense. So I'm, I'm going to go with what you guys did and call it good. There All you right. go. Thanks, Scott, for being with us today. That's great. Thank you.